0: Uh, welcome to the very first episode of The Good Thief. Uh, my name is Joel Jackson. I'll be your host, interviewee, questionnaire, um, all things good around the podcast. This is basically something that has been brewing in the back of my mind for quite some time and born of curiosity, where I want to sit down with creatives that I know or um, have the, have had the privilege of, of knowing or working with or even just meeting randomly in random places to then put together in situ a bit of a chat about what inspires them, who they are, what's next and how they've dealt with Getting into and then living through what is this, what is this um, creative life. So uh, I hope you enjoy. It'll keep going and, and have any number of guests on board. This is the first episode, and I'm very stoked and very lucky to have my best friend uh, and creative ally, Jack Ellis, with us today. So, Jack, mate, thank you very much for joining us for the first episode. Wow. What an introduction. That was really something special. I could go on. So Jack is an amazing actor. Jack has just graduated from NIDA in about 2014, if I'm correct. Um, After having graduated, Jack has been doing... um, He did a a show over in New York that was also done at NIDA whilst you were there with Adam Rapp, who was the playwright, correct? That's right, The guy has uh, written Globe and Emmy Award winning and nominated TV series and also was a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. Jack was the lead... Uh, of The Wolf in the River. He played the the lead character, the titular role as The Wolf, and Adam Rapp wrote this role for the guy. They then went and took it to Off-Off-Broadway, am I correct? Yep. And you nailed the front cover of the New York Times art section. Yeah. Um, Wow. We may as well start there, mate. Um, Mm. Talk us through the process of, first of all, coming from a a place like Mount Gambier in Mm. South Australia and then going and performing... Uh, in, in Broadway, off of Broadway, sorry, I beg my pardon, in yeah. New York for what was it, like a
1: month? Uh, it was three months, yeah. Three months? Yeah, it was. You know, it's it's funny because Mount Gambier is such a small place. So when I moved to Adelaide, I thought, well, wow, Adelaide's huge. Right. And then I moved to Sydney. I was like, shit, Adla- uh, Sydney's huge. Right,
0: because you first of all studied
1: in Adelaide, correct? That's right. Yeah, I did, a, um, I did psychology for um, 18 months and then I did a teaching degree um, for four more years. So, yeah, I used to be a high school teacher.
0: No shit. Yeah, I did. Right, oh, so then, what was the process of you? We're, we're kind of doing this backwards and skipping all over the place. That's but all stick right. with us; we, um, we'll go into all facets of what Jack is up to and also what Jack has done. The podcast is about discovering the inner workings of a creative mind and how we do it. And just if you're here in cars or anything in the background, I want this podcast to be a thing that's in situ. It's not in a studio. At the moment, we're sitting on a balcony and could you overlooking the ocean? It's pretty, pretty bloody beautiful. It's on really a lovely Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um. So, mate, having studied in Adelaide studying teaching. How did you then go about getting into NIDA and what was that process like for you?
1: Yeah, so for me as a boy in Mount Gambier, I was really into drama and acting as a kid, but it just wasn't done. Right. Boys, boys just didn't do drama where I grew up. Like right, yeah. a, a couple of people did, but it was mainly called cool to do football, AFL. And I sort of struggled a little bit with identity as a, as a child, trying to work out, you know, what are the cool kids doing? Um, eventually I persisted with drama. Um, through
0: high school and, and Through like high okay. school,
1: yeah. Through, even from, like, year five when I was in a play and then year six when I was in a play and then high school I had a fantastic drama teacher who made me believe that boys could do acting. Um, so I left Mount Gambier at the end of uh, year 12. I had a year off and I moved to Adelaide, studied psychology. I always wanted to be an actor, but I, it was a bit of a, a secret. You right, know what I mean, I like was. a well hidden,
0: even from family? In the well,
1: lives. my family knew that I was a bit of a show off and they knew that I liked to do those sorts of things. So they you sort of. knew... you just come out of like this, like the shower and just start doing random bits and pieces? <laughs> or so, like at family dinners. I would get up and sing and on tables. Oh, yeah. So then go. Yeah, okay, okay, next level. All yeah, right. between, between just in commercial breaks, Nana'd be like, right up you get, I'd put on the glasses and I'd sing Elvis. Like I was a strange <laughs> child. Were well, you um, ever called upon to do like, between football, you had to do like a five second thing in
0: the, between the goals? You know what I mean? How there's oh, always yeah. like a Bunnings ad or
1: some shit like that? Well, I, you know, I was a bit of an extrovert, so the footy being like captain of the footy team, I just loved doing the the four game chats, like oh, All yeah. right boys, we've got a big game ahead of this. All right, heads up. Almost hitting in like a Henry III or something Yeah, I just like took that. it off like I was on stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so anyway, so I had this dream to be an actor, but I um, changed from a psychology degree to a teaching degree. Two years into my teaching degree, I decided to audition for NIDA. Yes. And, um, I and what learnt, year was that, being my pardon? Uh, God, what year was that? That was um, uh, 2007 or 2008. Right. 2000, yeah, a long time ago, 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, Learned three monologues, went to the audition day in Adelaide, got through day one and day two and day three and ended yep. up getting short. Like, almost like the ashes kind of going through the days. Oh, it was and brilliant. Like, yeah, it was a test match. it out. It was a slog. Yeah. And I was so scared. But I kept, people kept getting cut. You know, 100 got cut to five. And wow. um, I ended up getting shortlisted that year, and then I got a phone call a year, like uh, a month later, and said you didn't get in. So I was like, "That's alright." I finished my third year of my teaching degree. I decided to audition again for NIDA, and I um, got through day one and day two and day three with with new monologues, yep. and got shortlisted again. Yes. Got a phone call a month later. Didn't get in. Right. So then I completed my fourth year of my teaching degree. I uh, got a job as a drama coordinator at a Catholic education uh, Catholic school in, okay. in Adelaide as yeah, a drama yeah. coordinator. Had this dream to still be an actor. I was very close to the last two years, so I auditioned again and got through, you know, the three days, got shortlisted again. Yeah. Uh, this time I got first reserve.
0: First reserve? Yeah. Does
1: that mean you get a Guernsey even if you didn't get a play? You it know was what I mean? a bit like sitting on the bench for the AFL grand final. I just was not not needed. <laughs> I just wanted to be like, give me the names. Well, you're like Timmy Cahill at the recent World Cup, just call him in for five minutes and see what he That's can Exactly do. right. You they just I mean? didn't need me, so it was really disheartening, and I thought, you know what, stuff it. I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to audition. So I taught again for another year. Um, the audition applications came and went. I missed the boat the fourth year. Right. And I had this change of heart, and I literally rang up NIDA and pleaded with them to let me... They're like, well, applications have closed, buddy. And I was like, well, you've got to let me, please. Like, I'm the guy that's been really close. Yeah, yeah. And they said, uh, you've got, you know, a week to learn three monologues. They're in a week. Right. The years previously, I'd spent six months learning my monologues. Jeez. This this, this specific, specific year, I um, spent a week. So I got my three monologues down. I went to the audition, got through day one, day two and day three. Um, got shortlisted and got first reserve again. Four years, man. Um. I was just furious and upset and just like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, it was so bad. At that time, I was like, I'm just going to be a teacher for the rest of my life, which isn't bad for any teachers who might be listening to this. I love teaching. Um, Anyway, a month later, they rang me and said, someone's pulled out. Whoa. And they're like, "Do you want to come?" And I was like, "You've had your chance." No, I was like, "No, no, I do, I do, I want to come." <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, "You turned them down." Yeah. <laughs> I turned them. No, no, You're I, like, I any said really yes.
0: Picky, picky chicken and Barbie, and like, well, he's come up ten times now, <laughs> and no, I'm done. At three o'clock, I don't want to go home with anyone. <laughs> I'm just going to go home do a cup of tea.
1: I had to say yes, so um, you know, I rang my principal of my school at Saint um, Margaret Mary. We Isn't were I, teaching, and doing the drum teaching. Court, eh? I said, and they knew that I was auditioning. And I said I got in, and then I rang Mum. Mum's like, "Well, you better start saving." And I was like, oh, <laughs> God,
0: thanks, mum. Were they were that supportive family throughout the, the whole very, process? Very, very, very much so. To be, ever since five years old, I think they could have seen that you had a passion for I it. I think so. Kind of, you know, okay.
1: I think for them trying to get in my way was a bit like stepping in front of a train. Okay. They just weren't going to try to. So it would me. have been a lot of blood and a lot of body parts. Yeah, death. The place.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would have been accompanied by death.
1: Yeah. So I, um, you know, I got in. I got into NIDA. So I moved there in, uh, to Sydney in 2012, and I, um, you know, got an apartment and I studied three years at NIDA, which was 60 plus hours a week, as you. would Know, and yeah, um, ninety six every single day in your week yeah. is spent pretty much learning. Oh, absolutely. What Rehearsals you're doing that week or, and doing your essays and So it really um tested my dedication to the arts itself and I found out and that a I, discipline
0: I, too. Oh, I mean I think that you would have would have had that downpack through your teaching and also your, your football
1: years, and
0: yeah, that, that sporting kind of background is a lot to lend to creators that have
1: a discipline. You know? it, it was interesting being a teacher and then coming into a, a a student setting, so all of a sudden I had to be a student, not a teacher, and shut your mouth and kind of listen. Yeah, I was very micromanaging the way that I had previously lived as a teacher, so all of a sudden I was having to listen. So NIDA taught me how to listen, yeah, a lot, which I think's really helped me Do now. Do you
0: think that you, you, you were slow to that process and at the start? You know what I mean? Did we definitely did it take your while to warm up? That's just a um. Removalist trucks. That's a two-man, one truck kind of job. It's like a. That was like <laughs> huge like s-
1: bus just s- went past.
0: <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the old people just, all the old grey nomads that just come for a bit of a dip in <laughs> Kuching, and you know, they're taken back a cold water bath to free up the bloody hips and <laughs> joints and all that business. So um, they come easy. And now we've got a helicopter here scouting the whole of the landscape, making sure the topography is okay. That's good. Yeah, it's not an army plane. It's more of just a jaw It's probably Murdoch. I I'm hope he comes a, closer
1: and gets louder for our podcast. Oh, look,
0: he is. I can, st- I can look him in the eye and the pilot's just going... There is. He's just pulling a rudia that's going, yeah, I'm going to get right in your microphone, son. It's quite loud, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite loud. I apologise. I mean, this is the thing. I wanted it to be in situ. I didn't want it to be some kind of sit down and oh, you know, gear up for a bit of a chat. I just no. want this to be a really easy, open thing that we can all connect to. And I think for anyone who is either in business or you know anything at all, there's so much we can take out of the creative ins- insights of being in these careers jack is an actor uh he's also a great artist and a painter um and if you give him a harp if you give him if you give him a, <laughs> a harmonica a harmonica forget about
1: it i'll pretend to know how to And play. what did
0: you sing that night at newtown that was uh regulator yeah that was a bad night man we can should not rap. talk about that man can <laughs> rap he can do all number of things but he's also a fantastic teacher and and a great mind so it's great to be sitting down and having a chat but so the three years at night you've done mm, that you've mm, done and dusted it mm. um Coming well, yeah. out of such a prestigious kind of place, mate, how did you. I mean, we're both country boys. I'm from Carruthers in Northwest Australia. Yeah. You've come from Mount Gambier in South Australia. Then we've moved off to bigger cities and then found our way through different pathways into mm. NIDA, into the, you know, the, what is arguably the biggest city in Australia and Sydney. Yeah. Uh, and one of the biggest or the biggest institute in Australia at mm. that time when we were studying there being NIDA. Mm. Coming out, mate, what were your. Uh, expectations as such and how did you meet them without an
1: ego or did you meet it with an ego or what happened well it's hard because you come out of a place like NIDA and you think the sun shines out your ass you know and then all of a sudden you um, have you to you don't m- need toilet paper you could- <laughs> yeah because yeah, yeah the sun's shining out of your ass all of a sudden but you sort of have this thing that's like Oh, I'm going to get work. You know, while you're at night, you're like, oh, I'm going to get work. I'm going to get work. But then all of a sudden, you, um, you know, you meet agents, and I found an agent that I loved and worked and am still with. But Uh all of a sudden, the harsh reality of um, a working actor hits you. So you're going to auditions and you're not getting jobs. And you know, I must have had, um, you know, I've probably had 200 auditions and maybe got 12 jobs out of that. Yeah, yeah, not much, man. It's a pretty tough... Uh, ten, ten jobs. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. say to
0: people when people go, like, how's it all going? I'm like, well, you've been in... I mean, my mates up north just work as... Um, I'm not giving them... I'm not bagging anyone. I don't give anyone shit. But they've held the same job that they've held since we were 15 or 16 and left school yeah. to go and do what they do. So, pardon, but in my mind, we put in more job applications than anybody else on the planet. Yeah. To no avail. To no avail. Sometimes yep. to a great avail. Yeah. But we do it endlessly and we kind of gear ourselves up and give it our mm. all and then it's gone. What was it like the first year? Was it a dry spell or what was it?
1: Uh, I was lucky, actually. Before I'd even graduated, I got a phone call from my agent who said, um, there's a role for you in Home and Away. They're offering you. So I got a role quite quickly. They're offering quickly. you? Yeah, I got, okay. a, I got offered a role in Home and Away. Um, without even auditioning. It was it was like, I, I sound like, I don't know, like that's really weird, but that's just what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's great. So what had happened in my third year when you go and meet the casting agents, I must have, something must have happened that day. I don't know. I made an impression of some sort. Anyway, they... Um, you they stole were, their dog. Yeah, I, I, their yeah, dog. yeah I flipped the table and, and us, smashed a window. No. If you give us a job on Home and Away. And, and so that was good. So all of a sudden, within um, one week of graduating, I was on the set of Home and Away. So I was doing, Jesus. it was just a small role, but it was a, a good chance to see the work insights of the TV industry in Australia. It's quite quick, especially on Home and Away. Especially, yeah, Home and Away is what I've been told from blokes that have been in it. And, you know, mates,
0: girls and, and boys, yeah. are, is that it's almost like a gym for actors. Absolutely. And there's, and there's also a lot of people that have come onto to that set that are from, you know, the drama school. Yeah. Like. They're not just people that have kind of found their way into an audition and get cast. There's a lot of pedigree there. Yes. And people that have worked on that show for
1: 20 to 30 years. Oh, of course. And I can I can see why. It's because you can just learn so much quite quickly. So... I was only on there for like you know four or five days, but I um I learned so much very quickly. It taught me a lot about the um the mechanics, and also you're just a cog in this much bigger machine, right? And right. If, if you if you stuff up, everyone else stuffs up. So I learned quite quickly. But um, regarding the first year after that, I did a small role in a feature film, but I didn't do anything. What was the feature? Uh, it was called Two Twenty Two. Oh yes, yeah, so that was the one with Teresa Palmer. Yeah, uh, that was filmed in Fox Studios and out McHale, here in that's Sydney. That's right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, set in New York City. Um. Which was good. You know, that was a good chance to get into a big feature film where it works differently to a TV series. And be on that kind of stage and kind of go, oh, okay, how different yeah. is this to TV in Australia? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, the first year was pretty rough because, you know, I spent a lot of time auditioning. I did a lot of auditions that first year, but I got two jobs. Um, <laughs> and so, but the end of the end of that year, which was 2015, it yeah. had been a year since I graduated NIDA, I got a phone call from my um, friend Adam Rapp, who you mentioned before, the director, yeah. and he said to me, he's like, Wolf in the River is being put on Off-Broadway. I Want you to come and play the role of the wolf, and I was, and he's like, you'd have to be here in two weeks. Yeah, so I was like, shit, uh. Uh, right? So I was like, I'm moving it was to like New a York. Good, uh, yeah, and a great, like, oh, yeah, it was, it was so much like I've got to work out what's going to happen. So I moved to New York, and like you said, and I did, I did three months of theatre, and I love theatre, I love the stage, so I had a great time. I met a lot of fantastic American actors. Is it true that you had Scorsese in for a night? They. Well, Adam had just finished doing because um, he just did um, the um, HBO show which, Vinyl, Vinyl, which yeah. Scorsese wrote, so yeah, which with is the sixties r- period. Ray Romano, yeah, is that his name?
0: It was the bloke and Do- uh, Donnie, who's ma- married to. Yeah. Um, well, he, she's with. He is with. Um, our great Aussie Rose Byrne. Oh yes, that's they're right. married.
1: That's right. And also, yes. Yeah, so Adam's writing so off her with on this podcast. Well, that it was so strange jumping she into that terrible. world because Adam's a very prolific writer and he writes for HBO and he he's written lots of amazing things. And all of a sudden, he's hanging out with friends like um, like huge people that he's just name dropping. And I'm like, wow. And Sigourney Weaver, she was the producing artistic director of the theatre that we were acting in. So Whoa. she was, you know, she was the artistic. Director of the Flea Theatre in um, um, Tribeca. So it was incredible. And um, I was really lucky with my accommodation and just it was just a fantastic time in my life. I got, a, I got American representation from that. A lot of agents came. In and, New York? And... In, in New York, okay. yeah. So I met up with a bunch of different agencies. But, you know, it's one of those things where you just always pinch yourself. Like, I, I'm just thinking to myself, how is this happening? Like, you know, you get some big things in your life. You're like, well, today I have to do this. I have to meet with this person, then do an audition or yeah. then do a show. Yeah. And you sit and think, how am I going to do this? But you think to yourself, you've done it before, mate, you'll do it again.
0: And, and just on that, like, how do you, in the face of anxiety, in the face of performance pressure and things like that, when you're mm. meeting fantastic people and doing great auditions and then stepping in on stage to do big roles with big people, mm. in the, you know, and in, in the realms of them all, how, how, how do you manage
1: that stuff? If you, so, in the, in the day of the life of Jack Ellis waking up, what do you do? Well, if it's a show day, if I'm doing a show, you know, I guess it's a lot of internal discipline and reassurance. You've got you've got to be your biggest fan sometimes. You've just got to be like, to be fair, that wasn't like a fart in anything. No, that was Jack, just scratching the chair. I can do it again chair. to prove that. Yeah. Can um, you do it again? No, that no, was his asshole. <laughs> 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 the sun's shining. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, you. For me, it's um, a lot of talking to myself a little bit, like. Yeah. You know, because at the start of this show and off-Broadway, I had to go outside and pretend to be a person that was coming to watch the theatre. Yeah, inside of the audience, right? Yeah, so I sat with everyone out in the foyer and just pretended to be this normal person. And in character, right? And Well, yeah, that I was coming to watch this play. Right. And then I'd sit with everyone in the audience in this theatre in um, Lower Manhattan and I'd just be like... And all of a sudden I'd get my cue and I'd stand up and... They were the most nervous moments of my life. But they yeah. were so exciting. So I think nerves gives me excitement. And then also getting to the next day, you think, wow, you did that yesterday. Yeah. You're going to do it again today. Yeah, yeah, Good yeah. on you, mate. <laughs>
0: yeah, true. No, there's a, there's a big thing. Like I always think about it as like when I have a massive day, whether or not it's, you know, I tra- so I travel, you know, you go from Sydney to Perth, to do a show. You're traveling across that day. You leave at bloody 6 o'clock in the morning or something like that. You mm. get in there at 10 o'clock with a time difference. You might go and do two radio stints between 10 and 12 to kind of pump up the event that you're doing. Yeah. You have two hours off. You spend that kind of preparing yourself for the day ahead. Mm. Then you go in to do sound check, and then you've got about two hours... Then to kind of sit there and freak out. Yeah. But we're gonna do and and then it's game time. Absolutely. Um but then you get on your plane on Sun like the next day to go back to Sydney, but you've got a full day when you get back to Sydney. I you know. kinda of go It's hard. Well, I can no but it's it's great because you can kinda of go through that thing of going, hang on, on the plane I can kinda of pat myself on the back and go, Well you just did that.
1: Yeah. That's like right. this
0: day is gonna be another one of those, but you've just done it. Yeah. So do you think it's a thing of like building Constantly building yourself up. And, how, I mean, how do you keep that confidence and, and also
1: your ego in check then if it's a... oh, That's exactly right. I think keeping your ego in check is the most important thing. No one wants to deal with an asshole. Self-efficacy breeds optimism. So if you're optimistic oh, yeah. about your life and you've got a good self-ethic, um, yep. self-work ethic, yep. you can continue to achieve little goals yep. that then build you up for the next goal. But I think being humble and being diplomatic is the most important thing that an actor needs to be. You know, because you hear stories of people making the big time and then turning into an asshole, and you just don't want to be like that. Right. So particularly I always make a, a note to whoever I'm dealing with in any setting, whether it's a child that I'm teaching or an adult that I'm tutoring or I'm on set acting with the director, you just want to be open and malleable and, and the type of person that people can talk to and have a discussion with as opposed to like, oh, we shouldn't tell Jack this because he'll be angry. Have, or... you had, have you had any experiences
0: on set when you kind of like, you, you view someone as say like cocky, not confident? You know what I mean?
1: Well, you know, you have to name names. You can kind of yeah, yeah. No, I I won't name names, but I have seen it before. No, (laughs) I I, I don't think I will. (laughs) Um, um, But it's one of those things where, yeah, you soon when you when you see those things, you work out what type of person you don't want to be. Right. Mm. Pretty pretty much like straight away. Absolutely. Well, for me, it is. Yeah. Like it's also when I have a good or bad teacher, I work out straight in my head. I'm like, well, if I was teaching this, I wouldn't do what you just did. You know. So it's applicable to all different disciplines in your life. True. Being able to be aware socially of what's happening around you, and then and adjust adjust your personality to suit the situation that you're in.
0: That's true. I mean, I suppose if there, has there been any instances on set when you actually have to be that person to get something done or get the job done? You know what I mean? Um, like, there are moments where I know that on set, if I didn't speak up and be a bit of a dick, yeah, certain things wouldn't be done. Yeah, I, I, do, and, and I, I, all I mean, all I mean is that, well, like, when we were doing uh, Peter Allen, we've got 150 people on set. And I know that people are kind of being a bit unruly in the 2nd AD and the 1st and the 3rd are all kind of dealing with tons of fucking people. Yeah. And then when something kind of goes down I've got to step up and be the mm. leading man on set mm. to go, hey, listen, shut up, there's enough going on, Yeah, pull your head in because otherwise we're not going to get the day done. Yeah. Have you ever... you you know, um, give, give us an example of something that... Has you know, cer-
1: happened? Certainly on various projects that are like, you know, uh, indie features or indie short films, I've so often felt like um, I have wanted to put my teacher voice on and be like, <laughs> guys, God. come on, let's sort this out. But, you know, when you're on a set like... um um like on Foxtel's A Place to Call Home. Which you've just done the fifth season and also the final sixth
0: season. That's right. And appearing in every episode uh, of Stan O'Rourke. Poor old, yeah, poor old The bad Stan. man with the gun. Yeah, but You can't man give away too much gun. of season six because that hasn't come out. I know that you talked to me about it a fair bit because we're best mates. Yeah, um, comes but, out in three weeks. Which is awesome. So mm. please do keep watching F- Place to Call Home if you're, if you're yeah. watching. Jack is going to absolutely kill it. Everyone on set has been talking him up. so
1: well, And funny. I know the man works hard so and you can hear it from the way he talks. So check but it out. There was one day, but, yeah, where right. I... So Oh, Rucked right, up, do, you know, two weeks ago on the set of a place to call home. Okay. And my call cool time, I got there early to have breakfast because I was like, you know, I'm poor, I can have breakfast. And
0: you're travelling out from Sydney to um. Uh, I,
1: I was travelling out on set down in Camden. Okay, and, so um, staying on set in Camden. And I got down there early to have breakfast, and I get there, and all of a sudden they're like, you're meant to be on set, and I was like, what? I'm here an hour before my call time. What do you mean? Yeah. And they're like, no, no, there's been a, a, a stuff up. So then I get sent up on set to Were do you a block made up through hair and everything. Well, not even at that point, I just got told to go up there, and then it was like, what are you doing up here? You meant to be in makeup, and I was just like. What? And then after, after a while of back and forth, it was no one's fault. It was just a misunderstanding of um, tra- mistranslation. Yeah. And anyway, then at that point I was like, look... You're lucky I'm here an hour before my call time because what would you have done if I rocked up on my call time? Yeah. So that was the only time that I can think of where I might have um, thrown my weight around. Did you? Did my, you... my 70 kilo my weight 70... around. My, my muscular frame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the camera adds 10 kilos, mate. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. Beef, you're a beefcake in our books, mate. <laughs>
0: um, but no, so that was your undoing. Come to set an hour early. Yeah. That was your own impulse being yeah, like, yeah. no, I want to come to set and kind of hang out. I love getting there early. Did you want to I'll do that watch with everything? You? Yeah, because you, yeah, you're always
1: you're a pretty prompt guy. I get there I think, early because I, cause I just, just want to feel like I'm a part can... of it from the get go. Yeah, right. Mm. So,
0: I mean, I'm on the same way on um, the set of uh, Safe Harbor with Glenn and Ivan. Even on days that I wasn't called, mm. I'd rock up in the car that I had while I was in Brisbane right. and literally wear a hoodie and just pretend to be a grip. Oh, or a gaff and just like do stuff in the background and That grip looks a lot like Joel. Yeah, the I don't lead know what actor. that guy is that guy looks super shady She's wearing so like hat and sunglasses all day. And then at lunchtime my game was like how far I could get through the day without Glendon or Sam Chippy, the cinematographer being like, Who the fuck? There's fucking Joel
1: i <laughs> then super I'm ready. Shitty
0: me, Yeah. And be yeah. like,
1: I'm not even on for another three days but Oh, that's, that's testament to who you are, though, man. You're a very deep researcher of a role and, you know, you've had to because you've played a few people that are actually real people. Oh, yeah, true. And I think this was the first instance for,
0: for Safe Harbour. And thanks, mate. But, like, with the Safe Harbour stuff, that was the first time that I'd done something that really wasn't a cat, like a, 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 someone who was pre-existent mm. to then go on stage. Oh, screen, sorry. It was, yeah. it was much more just, like, me in there. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be a part of the whole... Experience. Like I knew that Glendon Ivan was such a great director. Sam Chippy was a really cool cinematographer yeah. from uh, Sydenham out in Sydney. And yep. it was just a great kind of off the cuff set. Like he had it off the shoulder the whole time. And yeah. it was kind of exciting to be there and go, what would they discover? And, and the actors you're working with are great theatre actors like mm. you and Leslie and Hazm Shammers. And, you know, they've been on. They've been working for
1: longer than we've been alive kind of thing and yeah. I was like,
0: I want to see what they do. Of and-
1: course. Well, it's fresh for us so we want to get there and be around it and you know, an actor's biggest want is to be around a set or to be around a creative crew where they're creating and doing stuff. So it's not like a pain to go to set. It's like, no, I want to get there early and I want to be there. Right. Have breakfast and chat and talk yeah. and then go into makeup. Well, a- how did you, how, like on set, do you, do you talk much? Like who do you spend the most of your time with? Um... Look, it's so good. A place to call home's such a good cast. They're they're generally older, so you know, they're they're not there's not so many young I mean, I'm not I'm I'm thirty one, so I mean I spent I spent a, a, I spent a, a lot of time gun. with Craig and um Sarah Weiser. Who, sorry? Craig Hill. Okay. Um and Wait, did I say Craig Hill? It might be Craig Hall. Jeez, I hope Craig doesn't hear that. That's all
0: right. Craig, we love you, mate. Regardless of the last name, it's just a vowel. Um, you
1: and, you know, something. he was one of my really good mates because I had a lot to do with him on set within the shots. The, uh-huh. the, the previous uh, season, I spent a lot of time with Aaron Peterson, uh, who who's was a fan- great fantastic actor. Fantastic and he was actor. up for a Logie for that. Yeah. Um, I, I just try to get along with everyone, you know, and I ask a lot of questions. I of the of the people on, like as of crew or of cast, like who do ask more of? Like okay. I literally ask everyone questions. My makeup person, my hair person, I just would be like, I think that I, whole like, why idea are you of playing going makeup on my eyes. Yeah, play, yeah, <laughs> <It's> yes. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. Why do you use your hand on my no? <laughs> um, so I I, <laughs> I like it? the idea of being ever curious. Yeah, I think I think you know uh, never I, feeling like you know it all.
0: No, because I you think don't.
1: I think that's a death of progress and also the death of creativity is when yeah. you stop when you start feeling like you know everything well kids kids are fantastic because they wake up every day with this curious idea and notion of finding out what's out there today mm. what's going to happen today and it's funny during our 20s we a lot of us 90 percent of us would lose that curiosity we kind of close down a bit don't we yeah actors are forced to have that curiosity their entire lives
0: we, we are. And we're also forced to kind of cultivate it. Mm. Like you can speak to people that are like 80 or 90 that are doing what we do. Oh, I think that's the coolest yeah. thing about this profession is that you can kind of do it for as long as you live. Yeah. Um, and there's guys that have directed films, I mean, and have done it, you know, post more I mean, look at all the... Or what was the... The Requiem that Mozart... It was only three quarters or, mm. or a half complete, you know what I mean? Before yeah. he carved it. but. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is that you're not a labourer. You're not a... You, you kind of don't fade with your muscular skill. You, you fade with, with your brain, as That's it goes. Right. But That's you can right. do it until the day that that goes.
1: Yeah. Um, so I kept ever inquisitive on set, and I um, I feel like asking those questions, You know, even asking just other actors, like, what are you doing after this? Like, not today, but like, what are you doing after this show <laughs> exactly. when it finishes? Well, or, I've, got, I've just had a coffee, so I might have to make yeah, it back to my van. You don't want to hang out, do you? Yeah. You want um, to write a musical? And I think it was... I, I Yeah, I really... I think that's one of my qualities. I ask a lot of questions. Yeah, you
0: are a very cu- yeah. You, you ask a lot of questions. I, I mean, I think the reason we became mates is because we're both kind of insufferable to be around. Yeah. So I know. We, we we were the only people that would kind of listen to each other's. <laughs> we're the bullshit. only people that would
1: answer each other's questions.
0: Yeah. we're like, I wonder what the sky colour looks is like today. And you yeah. walk out, oh, it's blue again. <laughs> uh, but also just that ever curious thing of developing, and also when you're in a when you're in a corner, that's kind of the greatest place to be, don't mm. you think? Because mm. you kind of. You either have to investigate and dig down, or dig up, or go around and kind yeah. of find a new way, yeah, or course. turn around and ask the question of where you've just come from and go: Was I heading in the right place? Do I have to wade through my own shit yeah. and then kind of re-enter another door?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so uh, five hard, quick, quick, hit, ha- five hard, quick, uh, fast-hitting questions. You can with, ask me five hard, quick. questions, Yeah, yeah. Questions with about though, with about three sentences or less as the answer. Oh my god! You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Jesus. Uh, lowest point in your career.
1: In my career,
0: not yeah, in my yeah. life? Not in your life, just career. And it can do with life, you know what I mean? Because it's... Uh, unfortunately, what we do is, as actors and as creatives is, you
1: know, personal
0: businesses okay, life.
1: Okay, yeah, one of my... Okay, the lowest point so the lowest in my point. career was auditioning for an ad. I won't say which casting agency, but it was for a Subway ad and, the, and it was one of my first auditions and they were, I'd just done three years at NIDA and I thought I was this <laughs> right. amazing actor and all of a sudden they're like, okay, so you're in Subway and you're not saying anything, but you're just looking up at the screen and you're pointing at what you like and then you're pointing down to the salad and then you're giving me a big smile all right ready three two one action so no dialogue no nothing no and i was like like, point here point so then then i did it to the best of my ability only to be told "Mm, yeah not not great um (laughs) how about be happier to be in subway and um (laughs) and 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 with a big smile at the end so subways
0: uh, always have that kind of smell and and i remembered
1: i was being critiqued on what i perceived as like not to be acting yeah. So I was being specific. Like, like a shtick almost. Critiqued on like your aesthetics. What do you look like? Is he happy enough to be in Subway? And I remember leaving that and I actually said to my good mate Shiv, I was like, dude, I'm never auditioning for an ad again. Yeah. But then, um, so that was probably now the. that's just someone pulling in who's just come back from doing burnouts. Oh, yeah, someone parked down a at car. Lincoln, Park, Lincoln yeah.
0: Park Station. Yeah. Uh, that's right, they're going to turn it off soon. So that was the lowest point. Okay, highest point to date in oh, the career. Okay, highest
1: point three, to three date. Three sentences or less, come on. Okay jeez, um, well, righto, for me, it was probably um, only about a month or two ago when I was um, on set filming for yep. a place to call home, and um, I had a scene i spent it was a day of just me on camera, you know there was a few things that my character was going through so it was a big um, moment for my character and I remember um, having to... I was very challenged with, with regards to the acting role and I had to produce the goods. You right. know, long story short, I had to produce the goods. Yep. And it was the moment pre-proceeding uh, that okay. um, when I was being driven back to Sydney. That that sort of felt like the highest... It's not an accolade, it's not, it's not a, an award that no, I received, no. but it, it's a moment where I felt like, wow, you were so scared about today and you're on your way home now yeah. and... You did it, and people are saying that that was good. Yeah. So that felt like a real moment of solidification for me. I was yeah. like, great. It was a reiteration of, like, what you're doing is good. Don't doubt yourself as much, mate.
0: Right. Don't ignore the subway critics and just kind of keep yeah. moving forward. That's Don't, right. All they know is yeast and... and um, yeah. And miscellaneous Foot-like. meats. Yeah, yeah. You know, so mystery meats.
1: No subway okay. ads for me. Okay, third mm. question
0: of the five. Um, and these just kind of skip around every, every episode here. They're just more... Literally, whenever we're having a chat, I just want to kind of roam and talk to the person, whoever we're talking to, and wherever it goes, it goes, and we'll be more definitive later on. But as this is the first episode with my best mate. It's also a great time for me to discover you. I can't wait for the third question. So third question, biggest influence on on your personal life and, and who you are as a person
1: today, who and why? Okay, my biggest influence uh, would have been my high school drama teacher, oh, yeah. John Crouch. John Crouch. Who I'm really good friends with his son, Darcy. Uh-huh. Um, John, well, it was the one I mentioned earlier about, he showed me that a man could be an actor. Right. And he, he was a... I just loved going to the drama room at Mount Gambier High School because John was just this fantastic teacher and he just loved acting and drama and he just put on a show and like...
0: What do you think you took from him most? Oh, if there were like a quality, or
1: like yeah, a, like um, he said or... yeah. He he taught me that hard work is paramount, and he also taught me that things don't come easily. And and basically, this sounds pretty bad, but to be less shit, yeah, just, is
0: it? You know, just, I think that's
1: the coolest, just, yeah. Just be better, yeah. <laughs>
0: And you can do so many things to make it better, you know what I mean? Like, I it's think so that's, simple
1: just to be... Yeah, I would never say that as a teacher, but I understood what he meant when he would, he'd say, like, do it again, do it again, you're not doing what, what we're doing. So he taught me to be more at home physically and vocally with myself as an actor. Right. Make better choices. Make stronger choices. Take bigger ownership of your choices.
0: Yeah, I think ownership is a very interesting thing. Especially, yeah. It, especially, like, even to one... I mean, coming out of, of night and you said that you first, you only had like, a lot of auditions, two roles that kind of came out of it, mm. and those great things. And, and they're great opportunities, you know what I mean? Even an audition is a great thing to have as an actor. Yeah. Because you can kind of build a rapport with the casting director. That's right. who might be in the room. It'll go to bigger places, and they'll remember you. So it's, mm. it's all kudos. It's all good stuff. But... To believe in yourself and know that, like, yeah, it'll be, like, maybe a shit year, maybe ten shit years. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you're still learning and still pushing, mm. those things will kind of turn over. But if you're not, if you do less, like, be less shit yeah. for ten years, it's ten years of being less shit yeah. than everybody else. But you believe in yourself to kind of break through that barrier, which yeah. is often just, like, the simplest thing. It's It's, it's, like, it's, it's, the, it's the one thing to do, that, and then once you do that, you're kind of okay.
1: Yeah. I think be less shit doesn't often refer to be a better actor, but it means, like, be have a stronger work ethic, maybe. Right. In, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's applicable to anything. It's talking about, like, the 1% that goes
0: into everything else. So, like, if you're on football and you're talking about a one percenter in terms of percentages is uh, a stoppage clearance or it's also, like, um, a smother on a, on a kick.
1: Uh, absolutely. Or, like, a contestant. You know what I mean? It can like be in like reference to your thing, um, outlook and your um, optimism about the day. If you wake up and you're upset and you're annoyed, it's, like... Be less shit Is it' like it's like no, be positive because when you're positive positive things happen.
0: How do you this isn't one of the questions but how do you like if you do wake up in a shitty mood mm. how do you flip it around?
1: Well you do have to do that, um, that old cliche of um, remind, literally say to yourself three things you're thankful for yeah um, th- three things you're grateful for, three things you're looking forward to.
0: You three you three any... things
1: that you're good at as well. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. Like Tell yourself what you're like, good at. Yeah, like yeah. I'm
0: good at these things and yeah. there's not a lot of people who are good at those. That's so right. I should be, I should be stoked.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of and act. Right, I know a lot of actors who go up and down emotionally and it's I do as well. Everyone does. We're not oh, trying yeah. to hide the fact that we're human beings who are experiencing emotion. But if you no. ever get like that, I think you've just got to, um, you know, metaphorically pull your socks up and go, no, you're fine. You are fine. You're on the right track. Yeah. Just give Encompass yourself with positivity. You know what I mean. Yeah, pretend mean. there's good, even if there's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then soon you'll believe that there is.
0: Yeah, I remember. I remember. I was uh, in Glebe, sleeping on the floor with a sleeping bag about a year and a half ago.
1: Was that just in the gutter? No, <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> Where was that? No, mate. It was at, uh, a mate of ours on the floor. Uh, uh, on the floor. It wasn't it was like a, it was a single apartment. Him and his girlfriend had gone back to France for a bit of a holiday, and mm-hmm. we know who we're talking about, but he'll remain nameless. Uh, but he was very. Gent- he was, you know, in a great place to be able to give me the, the place to look after whilst he was away, and I was kind of in a bit of a rough spot. You know, it's it's not always um, fanfare and fireworks for everybody, and no. even though it does look like from the outset, there's a lot of hard work going on there on the outside going mm. inside and you kind of invest everything that you have, meaning every dollar, dime, and, and blood, sweat, and teardrop that you have yeah. to give, sometimes it, it, it eventuates in you being in a sleeping bag in the middle of winter <laughs> on the floor in bleed for about two months. And all you can do is be like, well, at least I was warm.
1: Yeah. You well, know? well that's right. You've got like, to simplify got things for yourself. To meeting.
0: Like, who cares, you know? Yeah. I'm doing, and I know that by sacrificing those things, and not everyone has to necessarily sacrifice it, but in my mind, if I go hell for leather... That mm. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I, I kind yeah. of can trust the process and go, that's right. well, someone's going to believe that I'm passionate enough to do something stupid and do something great. So yeah. Yeah. that's going to lend itself.
1: Yeah. You've got to be kind to yourself. Yeah. You really do.
0: Are we up to three or four questions? Uh,
1: that was number three. That was
0: number three. That was a long-winded. Uh, yeah. um, Jeez, that event. went on. We kind of just transpired and we have a bit of an adventure. Uh-huh. Okay, back to number four. Right. Um, mate, who, What? what is the single kind of greatest uh, artwork, be it, um, you know, painting, film, stage show, book uh, Anything that you've kind of read, seen or heard That has inspired you to can, to, to, to be who you are, artistically Right Because you are a very talented painter Yeah, so An artist, you know what I mean? Like you're a, like yeah. a smart, talented dude
1: so. You know, I do love Jackson Pollock Because his, okay. his art is a very strong rep, uh, representation of the artist's mind frame The space of mind when he did that What do you and mean? Well, you know his his art. You know it's it's chaotic and it's um, it's splashed and it's messy and it's and you look at the final product and I don't look at the colours. You know I'm colourblind, so I don't even look at the colours. I look at the piece. How, how colourblind?
0: How colourblind are you? I'm pretty, I I think, I've, pretty I've badly
1: that. colourblind. Yeah. Okay, so
0: uh, just for an example, like we're looking at right now, we can see the blue ocean of Kudj. We've got the green of the trees, the yeah. lighter green of the park, and. Beyond like the kind of brown and shittiness of all the apartments built up, yeah. What, what's going on in, in your eyes?
1: Well, you know, I know the ocean's blue, so I never tell anyone that it, it doesn't. It doesn't look. I don't know. Maybe what colour it looks is it blue. To you, mate? Well, everything's quite shiny, like those here trees. Comes, fucking
0: Rupert Murdoch again. Oh, on. here
1: comes the, oh, the helicopter. So just,
0: just give us a second. Red hot second.
1: Um, <laughs> you know, I know. You know, you learn, so you know the trees are meant to be green. You know, grass is green, but you know, tre- grass looks shiny red to me you kidding <laughs> no no Joe so
0: the park across the road there looks red
1: shiny everything it's quite shiny those trees look quite shiny but the th- that's when i like when i paint i don't choose a color yeah I, I literally jump in, i put my hand into a box of oil paints and i pull out something and there's a fair few yeah there's a shitload i've got a shitload of paints <laughs> and um i <laughs> i just paint with whatever i pull out because when i look at a tree like that i see so much color because light hits it in so many different ways. So I'm thinking to myself, there's no right or wrong when it comes to colour. You know, I don't think in colour. I just put – when I paint, I just put any colour down. And if, if someone likes it, they like it. If not, they don't. Like I paint landscapes, ground sometimes, and people are like, wow, what an amazing ocean. And I'm like, I thought, that was, I thought that was a freaking cliff, you know. And I love how people perceive things differently. Um, So for me, Jackson Pollock was an amazing artist. I also loved the film Requiem for a Dream. Yes, with this um, Jared Letter. Yeah, and, uh, it showed me that acting doesn't have to be like this nice, neat, li- nicely you're present in a little bow. It can packaged be. Kind of thing. Yeah, it can be this ugly, ugly thing. And I love that idea of being like really ferociously ugly sometimes in my acting. Yep. And finally, the, the book that I loved was J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. Because I really um, um, uh, resonate with Holden Caulfield, who's the lead a narrative speaker, the protagonist in that, that book. And it's a, it's a, a sequence of um, this narrative running through his head. And I love yeah. that idea. And he's so crazy and he does everything wrong. You know, he's just this vagabond that goes out there and gets it. And I remember reading that when I was in year 10 and being like, shit. This bloke's mental, but I love him. Did you
0: take any of those lessons or kind of, like, um, pathos or, like, the, the stuff that he was doing, the way that he was living into your own Yeah,
1: well, he was living on the, like, you know, smell course. of an oily rag. He had yeah. nothing, really. But it come from, like, a very good private school kind of thing. Yeah, like, and he yeah. moved, to, went to New York City, and, and and he spoke about all the weird things that were happening. You know, he talked about how quickly he fell in love with these people, and I just remember thinking, wow, this guy's crazy, and I love how he's just so open with what he's saying. So I, I tried to, like, you know, put... Apply those things within my life. I don't. I don't think that I'm holding Caulfield, but I'm like no. I love. I just loved his spontaneity. Yeah, he was just a go-getter.
0: And I don't know. If, I don't know if this is the truth, but I, I, when I was because I read it and then fell in love with it too. I read it. Mm. I had um, four days out in a shack in the. my! It's a great in, book. In the, like dampier of northwestern Australia, I just had four days out camping and read it, just sitting there, kind of looking at a barren expanse, going, "There's another heli." Um, Mm-hmm. But uh, I think J.D. Salinger wrote it as though from the perspective of someone who was returning from World War II, but was in the body of a of a teenager. Right. I I think That's great. Because that he makes was a lot of sense about himself and he yeah. kinda of was feeling displaced and wrote it as though like mm. Everyone in everyone in life is, is displaced.
1: And there was a fantastic moment in that book when he talked about how sad he gets when someone gives him a present. And I remember really, really con- empathising with that and connecting with that and being like, I get sad when people give me presents. What do you mean? And I explained that to Sophie and, and I explained that to some people and it was like, um, why? why? No one could understand why I get sad because what, <laughs> what makes me sad when someone gives me a present is like, They've gone to the effort, so already I'm like, oh, that's so nice of you to go to the effort. Right. And, then, and then I feel like they've spent money. Maybe they didn't have much money. What if I don't like it? Yeah. I get sad about the whole thing. Instead of just being like, thanks for the gift, mate. Yeah, even I'm like, it. it's oh, a very, that's sad cool, that mate. you brought me a present. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange, man. I can't explain that. But I do often get sad if people buy me gifts. That's unreal. Yeah, I, this, I mean, my it's life. almost so happy that it's sad. Yeah, like if it's, that it's, makes It's sense. such of a swing. It's such a, a real nice cause thing. Because Robin Williams would always think about. Um, he'd say,
0: um, and this is why we call it the good thief, because we're stealing ideas and 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 uh, ideas and thoughts and things from people that we admire creatively to then kind of put into our own lives and just share these thoughts and think about them ourselves and to ruminate. I don't think people talk enough about ideas and stuff anymore. No, I think, no. I think we've kind of culled out in our society. Yeah. Well, you know, there is a fair audience for it, but every day we're not actually having these conversations with the ones that we're around. That's mm. where these kind of uh, conversations have come from. But... The present thing, I mean, Robin Williams talks about the ebb and flow of comedy intention. So he goes, there's so much happy, like your life and psyche is a pendulum. So it can only swing so far until it has to swing back to the relative amount into the negative. Mm-hmm. So is that what mm-hmm. you mean by like the constant
1: happy and sad? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think as an actor, you've got to be this emotional vessel that's ready to you know, it might be a, it might be ten a.m. on a Tuesday morning, and you're having to do a very challenging audition where you're crying because you've lost your child, or you're doing a, God forbid, a rape scene or something awful. You yeah. know what I mean? As an audi- yeah. As an audition, so as an actor, you have to be very, very. Um, um, available emotionally and your vulnerability has to be high but then you then you're expected to just be like oh i'm gonna go have lunch with my mates and just be normal again yeah afterwards or even so, beforehand
0: you might have a coffee with an agent kind of be like you know or even the co- you know coffee yeah. with the producer there's well, a
1: lot like of it. back and forth emotionally so i, I really yeah. um have a lot of uh respect for actors people who are really genuinely putting themselves out there emotionally and and, and having a very strong vulnerable side because it's hard yeah People who are an accountant in the city don't have to do that every day. No, they kind of got to deal if with. If you're a, a carpenter on a worksite, you're not expected to like, yeah, you know, cry at lunchtime, stab someone in the afternoon, and then go home and have dinner. Like it's all beers and skittles. It doesn't yeah, happen that way.
0: Beers and skittles, mate. If only. If only. Now the fifth question. Fifth question. Um, what do you want to learn? Like, what do you, what do you feel like you have to learn to in order to have like feel fulfilled? Okay. And I don't know that's another question for someone who's only just done, you know, turned, yeah, but, yeah. You know, what, what is the thing that most sits on the top of your brain where you want to kind of go, yeah, fuck, I, I need that. I want that.
1: There's a few, like, I, I always want to learn everything. Yeah. You, I really you, want to go back to um, Italian because I studied that okay. for 13 you speak, years. You do speak it. Yeah. So I you used really. used to teach it, right? Yeah, I used to teach Italian. I really want to get back in that world and just be able to speak fluently again. Okay. Um, I also want to learn how to edit uh, films. I okay. really want to get my head around Final Cut Pro. I can do really minimal editing. Um, but, yeah, the next sort of things that I want to do is obviously rekindle my love with learning Italian, uh-huh. learn how to edit films properly yep, and yep. make my own stuff yep. um, and to also um, continue my painting. Yeah. I want to learn how to get in within strong, like have a stronger foot within the art scene of Sydney. Um, yeah, learn how to, to really uh, be at the helm of my own exhibitions.
0: And Do you think that's, uh, that's also a bigger thing to kind of go to learn how to be at the helm of your own output?
1: Yeah, well, of course, of course. Like I have a lot of output with art. Like I paint a lot. You paint, you teach, but you write, you act. Yeah, but I think it's the next step with, my, with regards to painting is to then have a, great, a greater connection or a synapse connection that can take me to then getting it exhibited. Even right. though that's not why I paint. I don't no, paint no, no, to no. sell it. Totally. But I think that could be a nice next step for me where I could literally make money for old rope. Hopefully, yeah. And you don't want to be in
0: awesome Wells and have it all put up in a shed somewhere.
1: And no. then the day that you die, people go, "Oh, oh fuck, wow, he was—he was a painter." Yeah, and I'm sitting <laughs> there going, "I'm oh, just trying to tell you guys for you." <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I think those those things are the things I really want to learn. Mm. It's admirable, man. I
0: think there's a lot of cool stuff to be had from that because it's not necessarily just like, "Oh, I want to." you know read this book or kind of do this thing or whatever it's it's more of uh because you're always consistently working at your art i mean i remember i used to do it with rulers and it was very kind of perspective driven almost architectural drawings yeah my buildings that you've seen or landscapes you were creating then Mm. it went to kind of surrealism Mm. of drawing planets or like bits Mm. of moons or something that had been uprooted
1: and hanging well i was too scared to draw with paint because i was colorblind i didn't draw with paint until i was 30
0: Oh, mate! And I didn't was, paint with paint and that until was I was thirty. The fact that because you couldn't see the colour, you were very self-conscious about. Well, because you, you grow up, you grow up using coloured
1: pencils, and people would say, oh, what have you done that for?" Or the grass isn't that going. Was that, even that in my primary school? Oh, of course, mate. That's what happened to me my whole life. Fuck. Always using the wrong. I remember my mum used to write the colour of the pencil on the, on pencil, the pencil for, for me you. at school, so I could um because I know what society expects it to be. Totally. totally. So that's what I'm like. Okay, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to. Paint a, I'm gonna, you know, paint a um, a phone box. Maybe it's red. I'm gonna okay. paint the street. That's probably grey. You know, I hear what things are meant to be. Sky's blue, grass is green. Yeah. And I wasn't brave enough to paint until about two years ago. I've only been painting for two years.
0: Yeah, because you've only been using oil and
1: and yeah, and acrylics that. and yeah. watercolors. And now I'm now I'm just like, and it's because of my mum. Literally, I remember mum saying like, Who cares? Who cares? What people think. Yeah. She said that's from a young age for me. So I'm like, yeah, who does care? So it took me 30 years. I'm confident in very, a lot of areas of my life, but with that painting, it took me 30 years to get up the confidence to be like, you know what, I'm going to paint. So I went and bought all these paints. didn't even know what colours I had. They all looked the same to me, a lot of them, besides right. white and black. Right. Um, so then I just bravely just started painting with these colours. Yeah. And people come around and they look at my studio and they're like, Jesus, like, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, really? That's good? You like that?
0: Yeah. Because it's news to me. And because a lot of your stuff is quite big, it's not just like a small kind of... I remember when we were younger and we were living around each other a lot in when yeah. we were studying together, yeah. you'd get stuff off the street and then paint over it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was always painting on, like, crappy surfboards or broken tiles. Yeah, and anything
0: that you can kind of get your hands on. You yeah. also put it on guitars. Okay,
1: yeah, I draw on guitars. Sam Mack has a Mac guitar of yours.
0: Sam Mack, the mm. weatherman from Channel 7, also a very good friend of yours. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I design, influence designed too, his like. guitar. Um, um, but, but there's that thing of, of kind of going, like, you, you never needed a platform to kind of do anything. You were always doing it regardless I draw on rocks
1: around at the cliffs.
0: I've got footage on a GoPro of you drawing with, like, some old bent-up kind of... Just ignore... It's a motorbike. You don't know what that is. Thanks, buddy. Mm. Ruining the last five minutes here. Mm. Um... But I've got footage of you having done that when we were in. I was in second and you were in first year together when we first met.
1: I just like that idea of being able to produce art or drawings or paintings wherever you are. You know, painting on a wall or scratching something into a rock or, you know, at the Nider car park in first year, I, I I scratched this thing into the ground and it's still there. I can still see it. It's a wow. painting. It's a it's, well, it's a not drawing. A it's like an actual. No, it's it's not <laughs> just a dick and balls, man. It's actually something legit. It's wow. nice. I love it. Um, it's still That's there. So sure. yeah, I. I don't know, you know, life's life's hard, man. I've got a lot of artistic endeavours, but I just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's all I can say, really. And um, before before we go, uh, what would be, what would be the, the act,
0: or the um, thing, or or a thing that you've done that you would most like to be remembered for? Could it could you know a performance? No, 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 it'd be performance, an act of. Or, uh, during life and just if you can hear kids screaming in the background they've just started to playing touch
1: rugby or T-wall or something down yeah, there I feel and like John going down there and worry. telling them to
0: shut up <laughs> shut up you kids hey Mr Wilson
1: <laughs> uh, um,
0: now what fine. would be what would be the, the one thing that you would like to be remembered for that most speaks to who you are
1: hmm I you know I, I taught at NIDA with the intellectually disabled group for three four years and I really loved who I was when I was doing that and I've done it recently as well. I would rather be remembered as a nice guy that loved teaching acting to people with intellectual disabilities as opposed to a, a, a wonderful actor. Yeah. I have more of an ambition to be seen as a wonderful educator or facilitator of performing arts as opposed to... Um, this, this amazing actor that then went and did this And went to Hollywood and now he's on drugs You know, it's like, I, yeah. you know, I, don't, want yeah. be, I don't want to be I don't that or guy Or even just doing studio films that are kind of like well, Yeah, cool, you're made movies, me, like, you made a studio movie For me, acting's been a drive But it's also been something like I don't care if I don't do it Right I love it, but right. I, it's not going to ruin me If I just stop getting work Because I'd rather be remembered as someone Who just tried to do everything As opposed to, like, stuck it at acting Because I think, as humans We're more complex than just one thing you know, I wanted to be everything when I was young, which is why I became an actor, because you can be everything. Yeah, you yeah. You can get a role as a doctor, you can get a role as a warrior in a, in, a, in a 1940s film, you can do whatever, you know. So that's why I did it. But I'd rather be remembered as someone who um, just was seen as someone that really just liked doing lots of things, particularly artistic creative endeavours, yeah. as opposed, like, maths and science is not my thing, mate. yeah. So neither is sitting behind a desk. Nah, I, I, I am this no. travelling vagabond type. Yeah. I like that idea.
0: No, I like that, mate. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll be there to make sure that everyone remembers you for that. But, Jack, thank you, mate. Jack Ellis, future star of the stage and screen and already burgeoning onto the stage and screen, screen with Foxtel uh, Series 6, of Place to Call Home, which is about to come out. That's the final series 19th of August 19th of August it's going to come out Jack Ellis mate thank you very much for having been the first guest on the podcast Joel, give me your time and insight it's been fantastic it's mate fantastic I really phase. appreciate it yeah no no anytime mate beautiful anytime. thanks for stopping my brother no worries mate hey hey guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Good Thief our first my first um, I run this podcast I made it and if you've got any comments queries ideas you want to get in contact or you want to collaborate, please contact me at joeljacksonofficial at gmail.com. Or if you just want to keep following the story, get on Instagram and follow me on Joel Jackson Official. And stay tuned for the next episode. It's going to be a cracker. Thanks, gang. Bye.